Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Welcome back to the things we say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we don't do this often enough, but <laughs> this has been a couple months since we could convince somebody to come on the show with us. Yes. And so Kim Friend has graciously agreed to be on the show with us this week. So, Yes. Hello. Um, I accepted a large sum <laughs> to come on the podcast. So I'm here and... I wouldn't say willing, but here we go. Yeah, see, now we've set a precedent. Now people are <laughs> going to charge us when they come on here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true. We did we did ask her several times to come on with us. So, and we usually do this with a purpose. It's like yeah. we we like to uh, get a hold of some people that have interesting things to say or some you know wise words to give to people, but. Kim, like your story and your family and where you're at is just amazing. Like a, a real testimony to who God is and who you are. And I want as many people to know you as possible, which is why when I was thinking about like, who could we have on the show next? You were one of the top that came to mind. I was like, let's have Kim on here and just whatever comes out is going to be awesome. <laughs> you guys are going to love her. Yes. So. <laughs> I, I love hearing that because what you didn't say was we're so proud of you because it has very little to do with me and everything to do with God. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, he's moved mountains in my life and, um, you know, my, my secret is that I have no secrets <laughs> and I think, uh, just being able to be vulnerable and transparent and open to sharing good, the bad, the ugly, um, has has led me to opportunities like this where um i can possibly help just one listener kind of so start to connect with god and be open to what the truth of the word says yeah uh, nate's talked a little bit about this just if your if your stuff is public it's easier to work through right in some ways <laughs> mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's it's easier to walk out uh keeping a lot of things under wrap and keeping it private might seem like the best solution sometimes, mm -hmm. but it actually ends up being harder in the end to, yeah. to live some of that out. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. well, that's one of the things I particularly appreciate about you is, is you own the whole arc of your story. You know, you, you don't sugarcoat anything. You don't try to, you know, move past anything quickly. You just own the entire arc of your story because the arc of the whole story is good. Yeah. It yeah. is a positive, even in the ups and downs. And mm -hmm. I love that. And, um, I think that, too often we try to skim through the places where we were and the real emotion of where we were and the real mental place that we were in in certain times. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I've always been so impressed with your just ability to own your story right where you're at, uh, right in the moment, no matter what. And for whatever that's worth, I am proud of you for that because <laughs> that is a rarity, um, even amongst people who have a great story to tell. Uh, so for whatever that's worth, yes. I just, I do want to no, throw that out. And I sure. do accept that because it does, it does take some work on our part. I mean, we still have free will and, yeah. um, you know, my history is with addiction specifically to alcohol and 
if I wanted to on my way home, I could stop at the gas station and, and I'm just so thankful for his deliverance and, um, you know, being able to talk about every part of it early on in recovery, that was not something I was comfortable doing Mm -hmm. and still, still sorting through the grief and shame and still deciding, um, you know, is, am I really never going to drink alcohol again? Like that was who I was. And that was what got me through or, or so I thought, um, the hard times, but, um, just standing in the truth and, um, speaking it out loud, no matter what that was, just brings so much freedom. So I encourage anyone and everyone to do that. And it doesn't have to be on a podcast or all over your social media. (laughs) Um, right. But just speaking the truth um, of whatever sin you're struggling with um, is a good start to your freedom. Yeah. And we, we've had uh, Jared Flack on here. He shared his story of overcoming addiction. It was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that we have to cover that ground if you don't want to. But if you want to kind of encapsulate your story, I'm more interested in where you're going and where you're at now. Yeah. Like that, that is mm-hmm. amazing stuff. And that's really where we'd like to spend our time. But if you want to uh, just encapsulate like how you got here or anything like that, you're allowed to. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll, I'll, I'll do that if we get there, but (laughs) I don't have anything profound to say other than um, I was lost and now I'm found. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay. So give us, give us just a quick little, uh, you know, mom, wife, what, what are you? What, tell me, tell me a little bit about Kim. Give us, give everybody here a little insight into you. Just a, a quick initial. What's, what's your world? All right. Um, so I am 30 plus 10 and some change. So a little <laughs> bit older than these guys. Um, but, uh, married for, uh, 13 years to my husband, Jeremiah. I have four kids. Oldest is 19. Youngest is nine. And with 10 years age difference between all four, um, it's a busy life of just getting them the things and getting them where they need to be. And, feeding them the foods and, um, (laughs) just, uh, hustle and bustle. But at the same time, um, I have, I have a lot of free time where I'm able to focus on my relationship with the Lord. So that's a blessing, especially at this stage of life where, um, you know, when I walked into Nate's house tonight, there's three tiny kids, just, um, very obedient, but needing instruction at every, every move. And, um, I, I don't miss that part of life, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's beautiful to just, um, yeah. see where, you know, I'm headed maybe 10 years from now with, with grandkids or, um, I'm looking forward to looking back on this time. Finally. <laughs> yes. yes. is what I'm doing. Yes. It's crazy. Cause where we're sitting, like our kids span everywhere from like yeah. 19 to whatever, <laughs> three, two, two. Yeah. two. She's only two. So yeah. like, yeah. yeah, 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 that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, my kids are kind of right in the middle between the two of yours. Mine are at that sweet stage where <laughs> they can help out, but they can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that is. Enjoy it for yes. a few, another year. Happens for just a short period of time. I'm very aware of how short <laughs> yes. this is, where yeah. we can leave the house and it doesn't burn down. <laughs> and we come back and everybody's fine. And mm-hmm. where they're supposed to be. The yep. screens are a little bit burned into their eyes. Yeah, but yeah. Other than that. Yeah. I think they're good. Okay. Um, so if I can just ask, like, what, what's your history um, with Jesus? What's your history with the church? Like, did you grow up in the church? What was your experience there? Yeah. So 
my parents divorced when I was 11. I don't recall going to church before that, but um, my mom raised my brother and I, and um, we did go, I lived in Ashland, and we did go to a Christian science church. Mm. So oh. uh, I never bought much of it. So it was a tiny church. Like the most exciting part to me was that it was next to Taco Bell. Nice. So, I mean, we got to go to Taco Bell after after church and um just a lot of things they were saying made me question um like okay god is love thank you for that but blah 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 after that it was yeah i wasn't following i wasn't tracking with any of it so so was that was that very much like uh, just trying to get some clarity because i know some about that but was it the the kind of denomination where you you basically shouldn't be doing any like you shouldn't go to the doctor. You shouldn't be wearing glasses. Like you need to, you know. Yes. It's it, ironically the opposite of actual science. Uh, in <laughs> the title is a little misleading, but was that the kind of thing it was where it was like? So it's not Scientology, though. No, it's uh, it's not. I get Scientology. the two mixed up yeah. in my brain. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and there are similarities, which you know is Scientology was invented by the guy who writes sci-fi or yes. something. Okay. L. So, Ron Hubbard. Yes, L. Ron Hubbard. So. Um, now that story I know. Okay, <laughs> so it's not as whacked out in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so probably my negative feelings about the specific religion was that um, my mom got sick around the time my parents divorced. And uh, I don't know if it was nervous breakdown. I don't know. Um, but it was coming out physically. And we drove up to Cleveland where my grandparents lived. And they just, we just watched her suffer. Mm. And I wow. was like, please take her to the doctor, you know, and I lived with my aunt and uncle for a whole summer and they, you know, just use, um, a practitioner, um, to pray like you actually pay a practice practitioner to pray, to pray for you. Yeah. So you pay her, she, um, $500, she'll pray for you for a week. So, I didn't get that either. <laughs> um, wow. I wish you guys could see Sheldon's face right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Again, this is this all is, new to me. I've, I've known some families who were involved in this kind of thing in the past. So I'm, I'm asking these questions knowing some of the answers, mm -hmm. but Sheldon's getting the, getting the full deal here. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and I know in, in Orville, I grew up, I grew up around that. backwoods Mennonites <laughs> and even, even us, we weren't that way. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, I just, I wasn't, I have wanted no part of religion in any form. And yeah. I wasn't in, introduced to a God that the, the God I know now, um, as anything other than, um, he'll heal you no matter how sick you are mm. and you don't need to go to the doctor. Um, we did go to the dentist thankfully. So I still have all there my you teeth. Go. Um, but, um, I, I started rebelling at that age and mm. I, I just thought I've got to look out for myself. I'm, um, the oldest of two and, uh, my mom's struggling and I'm just, I'm just going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, um, still, uh, at that age, 11, 12, somewhat good moral compass. Um, but it all went downhill from there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do find it interesting though. I mean, there is, I think there is a, even in that and the, in the twists and turns that come, you know, as your life was moving on, like, I feel like there is a measure of grace in that. Like that even in that moment, you were able to look at what was being said and what was being done, but like something's not right about this. Mm -hmm. And it, because I think for a lot of kids in that age and stage, especially when, you know, they've had the experience of their, of their home splitting up and all that, it's like, mm -hmm. you'll want to cling to almost anything. And so the fact that 
in that vulnerable moment, you were still able to kind of go, yeah, something smells weird about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do. I think there's there's definitely a measure of grace even in that. I think yeah. that's kind of incredible. Yeah. I never heard that. I never knew that part of your story. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And I can't remember just you hearing you say that, Nate. Like, I can't remember um, from, you know, that point on until now. I honestly can't remember ever being angry at God. Mm. I, mm. I was... I, I always knew he existed. I wasn't always pursuing him, but I, I've never blamed him mm-hmm. for anything in my life. And I've played victim a lot, but it was never, why would God do this? Yeah. It, so I'm thankful that that has stayed in me and always been in me. And, and I've known that he is good and he is sovereign and, and he wants the best for me. Yeah. That's great. So what would you say, like, if it skips ahead, that's fine. But what would you say like really sparked change in your life? Like what was that catalyst for change? Yeah, I, I can't really pick a defining moment necessarily for what ignited that change. But in the 12 step program um, that I followed in my earliest days of sobriety, I learned that the first step of uh, recovery is admitting we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Mm. And I had gotten there many, many, many times, but I had no problem, like I said, playing victim and enabling my old self to do what I'd always done, which was put the pain on a shelf and avoid it, numb it, and I'll deal with it later. Yeah. Um, and it was one distraction after another. And I had stacks of those shelves, <laughs> um, <laughs> floor to ceiling, all over my crowded and chaotic mind. And I think what I finally realized was that trauma doesn't give you a pass to live only for yourself and disregard how your choices affect others. Mm. So I, I finally realized that my arrogant and selfish sin and each choice that I made and each drink that I swallowed were inevitably like tiny hand grenades that I was tossing around in every relationship I was trying mm. to maintain. So I was able to fake it, um, like a certain persona. I don't know Mm. what you two saw, but to most of the people surrounding me in my life, I didn't look as bad as I was. Mm. And, um, that was, that worked for me for a while, but my friends and family who knew me most, um, I wasn't present in those relationships and Mm -hmm. I wasn't contributory in any way. And I guess that was pretty much my rock bottom. Just like, I am a burden. (laughs) That's how Mm. I felt. And it may have been a reality and a truth at the time. I don't know. My family might stay differently. I don't know. But that's how that's how I felt. And that's where my addiction led me to. Yeah. So I've in in being in ministry, watching watching things over the years, uh, dealing with with people and walking through stuff with them one of the things that i've always found so so difficult and i've seen this in addicts i've seen this in um let's just say i've seen it in abusers of every kind that there is just this inability to take responsibility for where where you have been again fully knowing that there are circumstances that were out of your control that at least led you to this path so so i'd love to know like what was that you know saying that rock bottom moment but when that realization came for you of like, I have done this, like this was this, like the owning of it. 
how was that? I mean, every I think everybody who's ever been saved has had that experience of owning their sin. Um, but I feel like this is this is a much deeper intellectual work to have to work through that. So so what was that like to actually have that point where you hit like came face to face with yourself, essentially? Like what mm-hmm. what was that experience for you? Uh, wow. It I thought it had come, you know, a year or two before and. I, I admitted that I had a struggle with alcohol years before I reached that point. Mm. So admitting that and accepting it are completely two different things. And acceptance is the key to whatever your struggle is. So that moment when I, when I realized this, this can't go on either my life has to end or I have to change. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just sad for everybody. Mm. And you know, seeing the look on my daughter's face, she was 16 at the time, my oldest, and seeing the look on my husband's face of just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm. And finally, um, giving myself an ounce of grace, because I wasn't, I wasn't at any time, just giving myself an ounce, an ounce of that to say, this is, this is your time to move forward. So although it was full of, of sadness and disbelief that I had gotten that far down, it, it truly was a, a moment of freedom mm. and just being able, cause a lot of my drinking was by myself. I mean, literal closet drinking. Mm. So being exposed <laughs> isn't pretty, no. but it's, it is, you're, you're, you're beginning to walk the path that the Lord wants you to, because you know, one defining moment was a summer Bible study I did at the church with the women's group. And every time I would open the book, it would open to um, a page and it was by Lisa Turkhurst, but it would open to this page that said, you know, God isn't trying to expose you to shame you. Mm-hmm. He wants to expose you to break the chains of the sin that's wrapped around yeah. you. So, wow. yeah. And that was, you know, a year or so before, but I mean, that stayed with me and, you know, I, I think there's so much more beauty in exposing. <laughs> oh, I almost said that wrong. Exposing yourself. No, but you're right. <laughs> okay. I, we're with you. We're tracking. Okay. We have context. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, there's just so much more beauty in that. And, um, you know, you can find any human attractive for a multitude of reasons, but I think, uh, just being open to say, I screwed up big and here's how I screwed up and I need your help fixing it. Yeah. And, just being surrounded by people that are pointing into the Lord is, is where that becomes a true testimony. Yeah. Yeah. That hitting rock bottom and then seeing where you're at and owning it is such a difficult thing for people to do. Like they will avoid that at all costs. Like anybody that's tied up in anything, that's what keeps you from getting free is not coming to that place of realization and owning it and saying, this is me. This came from me. And I, I, I desire something else Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do the hard work that it takes. Like there, it's incredible, like hard work from there on up. Yeah. And, and I think that's why we avoid it. It is, (laughs) it is easier. It is. And our, our natural instinct is to do what you were talking about. Compartmentalize, put this over here, stack it all up and I will deal with it. But that, that part of me just stays over here Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll function well over here but that's that's a house divided that's like a a divided mind and divided heart Mm -hmm. and 
for as far as like in this room, I, there's there's no judgment here at all. I actually don't. I have a really good forgetter, so people <laughs> around me have the benefit of I'm really just like more uh, present with in the your moment. story yeah. than I would be familiar with anything three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I would have zero reference for what you're talking about mm-hmm. other than what you want to share. So, yeah. And I remember like, everything. <laughs> Nate remembers so everything. Do and I don't remember. mean that in, in particular context yeah. to you, but just generally I do. I can, that's just how my brain but works. But Nate is also one of the least judgmental people that I know. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. There's not much judgment from me. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, you can you can uh, tell that however you want. But sparking sparking change, I think, is important when you're when you're trying to help somebody out. It's like what what did it for you might do it for somebody else. And I think Jared shared something similar when he was sharing his story, like finally owning getting to a place where he owned uh, what was going on. But um, as you've moved forward and answer this however you want. But what has carried you from that moment on is it is it is it still owning it or is there something else that you've added in there that you're like okay this is my fuel to keep going is it the same thing is it something new well because i mean i can obviously testify like you don't wallow in this no no absolutely not not at all and so yeah because somebody i would feel like the greatest fear of that ownership is like, I'm going to just wallow in this forever. Yeah. Even for the people around you, if, 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 if you're someone who struggles with addiction, fearing that they're just going to stay in that place forever when that realization hits. But obviously, I mean, you have not wallowed in that and you don't, and I've seen many who don't. So yeah. What is, what is that transition point? Like, what does that yeah. look like? Well, just, um, being spoken over by, by pastor Nathan, just, um, that is not my identity. Yes, right. we are yeah. touching on it today. This is a short podcast and I, I can, you know, bring a lot of light to some really dark things, but I am, I don't claim to be an alcoholic. Yeah. I struggled with alcohol yep. for many years. Thank you for that. But yes, I'm, I'm a child of God mm-hmm. and yes. you know, this was all of that, how bad it was is part of my story to bring glory to his name. Yeah. So, I mean, what's wallowing going to do? <laughs> and and I did have a grieving period yeah. because, you know, I thought I was going to drink for the rest of my life and that was going to be part of me. Thankfully, <laughs> huge change of heart. Uh, he, he picked me up, turned me around and <laughs> placed my feet on solid ground. <laughs> and um, I have um, no doubt that I will not have another drink till the day I die. Yeah. So um, wallowing in any of that just... Uh, takes me back to where I lived, which was self-pity, self-loathing, yeah. and that's not me anymore. Yeah. So um, some big things I would say that um, s- help sustain the victory are the two big G's, which I call give- giving and gratitude. Mm. And wow. when I find myself pursuing those things, I can't be anything other than victorious. Yeah. So I want to give all my time and my encouragement to as many as possible. And of course, having a family of six, that, that (laughs) is a job in itself. There's lots of possible there. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I mean, he is my true firm foundation and he wants me to give and he wants me to be grateful for what he's given me and what, what my family and friends, um, do for me and how they encourage me. And, um, I would say just each day I want to be the absolute best apprentice to Jesus that I can be. Mm. And, um, 
he's my shepherd and he's forever restoring and renewing my soul. So I can't help but give back to him in all ways I'm presented um, and be a blessing to people and show them my gratitude. So whether that's in worship, whether that's um, mm. serving my husband, <laughs> whether mm. that's um, some of the other volunteering opportunities that I've been given, um, th- that's, that's how I sustain victory. Right. You, you touched on something that I think is so important in not just, and this is the one of the things that I love. I like talking to someone who has overcome addiction because I think it points a finger at just sin in general and the way we need to deal with it. Yeah. Because addiction is not a sin that is one of the big ones or worse than anything else, but it's just gotten so much publicity Mm -hmm. and to overcome it, you've got to do the things. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us with the issue of sin, we don't do the things because we can just kick it to the side. We can pretend like it doesn't exist. Oh yeah, that's a struggle, but I don't need to tell anybody about it. Um, But you touched on something and and it, it made me think, you know, you talked about the grieving process. And I think, and this might be what you're implying, and if not, you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm perfectly fine with being (laughs) wrong. But I think there's a reality to any kind of sin is not only the reality of grieving the damage that it's done, but grieving the fact that this is a desire that I have that I'm going to have to kill. Like, that's that's one of the things, you know, my wife has talked about openly, that she is one who would have a propensity towards alcohol and alcoholism. Um and she was very convicted by the Holy Spirit. Like it had not become a problem for her, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit just told her like, you need to, you need to quit. This needs to be out of your life completely. And she literally went through a grieving process of, but I love this. Like, mm-hmm. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the process. I love like, and again, it had not become a quote problem, mm-hmm. but she's like, okay, I'm going to give it up. But there was a grief to it. There was a grief to that. Yeah. Like you said, like, this is something I thought was always going to be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And now it's not. Yes. And so I think that yeah. there's even the reality of grieving. Like, yes, this is a death. This giving up of myself, this giving up of something that I desire, this is a death and I'm allowed to grieve it, mm-hmm. but it's going to die. Yes. And, and so I think that's, again, whether you meant that or not, when you said it that way, I, that hit me that way. And so I just wanted to like verbalize that. Like it is okay to grieve the death of your sin. Mm-hmm. It is okay to grieve the death of yourself, but it still needs to happen. Yes. And yeah. I love that. That is so, so good. And, and yeah. it, it absolutely, um, was, uh, a, a deep grief. And thankfully, um, I, I spent three days up in Akron, St. Thomas, um, psych ward for mm. lack of a better word, yeah. uh, um, on the, f- on the first three days of my recovery. Um, and a social worker there named Kevin, um, and that's important to me cause that was my brother's name. name. Yeah. yeah. And he passed <laughs> away in 2014. So social worker named Kevin gave me a book and I was still a little loopy on meds, whatever. And he said, read as much of this as you can before you leave here. And I think I had a day and a half left and it was simply called the grief recovery handbook. Mm. So I'm like, that's textbook dish. I'm, you know, having no ounce of joy in this place. And I, <laughs> d- I would just want to leave. It felt like prison. Yeah. But it was called the Grief Recovery Handbook. And, you know, I probably got 50 pages done or so um, while I was there. But it made me realize how many things I hadn't grieved. Mm. And Mm. that's probably what Mm. led me into, you know, such a connection with something that is mind altering because I didn't like what was going on in my mind. Mm. And, you know, um, product of divorce, my parents divorce, my own marriage failing, um, job losses. I mean, Mm. um, 
there's so many diff- different types mm. of losses that people don't think they, they just associate grief with death and, yeah. and just being able to, wow. you know, finally realize that I do need to go through the grief process. I think there's five, five to seven steps yeah. of grief with these things. And whether that's with someone or just with the Lord, um, but just being able to um, be in that setting. And then for 30 days after that, I went to um, a recovery center and you're full of the place is full of people grieving the loss of, yeah. you know, drugs and alcohol. And, uh, you know, one of the big rules there is we're not going to glamorize yeah. um, what you went through because these are like, oh, a bunch of new people we can party with. Oh, wait, we can't party. anymore. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it, it's just a really peaceful place um that you know the lord met me there and helped me grieve a lot of things and you know of course i i only got to see my family a few times yeah in that period and that was a blessing i mean i cried for an hour or two the first time they came to visit me after they left because i was like i couldn't rationalize to the I think they were maybe four and six at the time, my youngest yeah. two. Like, why can't mom come home with us? Mm-hmm. But it made a huge impact on, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I never have to leave them again. I don't have yeah. to explain anything. Um, but, uh, you know, one of my big um, things I have a heart for now is helping people grieve through things. I have no training in it. Yeah. But yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely do. <laughs> Some of the best training. Life training, yes. So, you know, um, just, just helping them, just being there and being a listener and hearing what they're grieving through and, um, you know, having the ability to point them to the healer. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. That is phenomenal. I, I think one of the things that you talked about that's sticking in my brain is like, that was a chapter for you. It's not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more after that chapter. Mm-hmm. Like there's God's doing a lot of things and he's just starting some brand new things, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And I feel like, I feel like it's good for you to think of it that way. Like this is a chapter in my life and you've already identified your identity moving forward, who mm-hmm. you are in that story. Like a, I am a child of God. Mm-hmm. I am set apart for a purpose. Like mm-hmm. I have a new identity that, that is critical to continuing to build it build something brand new on top of where you were yeah like that that's that's phenomenal and i was i was blown away when you were talking about how people tie grief only to dying yeah that's that is a really good thing to sit and think about for a while yeah (laughs) for me and and like i i'm just sitting here in the moment thinking of things that maybe I should, should have grieved a little bit better or a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good word. And there's those living losses. Um, I I can't really go into detail on them because I'm not, not knowledgeable enough about them, but, um, comparatively like dementia, Mm, if you have people in your family, like those are living losses. Like you're already grieving who they used to be and just people that aren't present and you thought they'd be in your life forever. So it, you know, that's another one that's not related to death, but it's a death of a relationship or yeah. Yeah. how you once knew something. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
there's there's whole a podcast could be worth that if nothing else but <laughs> yeah that's what I, I was there's thinking. not other good stuff here but my goodness i'll yeah. get the handbook and then read it <laughs> read the whole thing and then get back to you i'm sure it's also an insomnia cure for <laughs> yeah, there you go no yeah. well i, I want to ask this if i can and again i'm not trying to dredge anything up there's anything i ask about that you're like i don't want to talk about that just move on i'm good because you and sheldon have done some talking about this i'm coming in cold i know you well obviously and well whatever full full disclosure <laughs> she i i said you can talk about whatever you want and she's like i'm a little bit of an introvert i need you to like help me like give me some questions and i'm like i'm not gonna do that we're gonna talk and then i'm i got to thinking about it because i live with my own introvert at my house and i'm like my wife likes nothing less than feeling unprepared for yeah. something it just makes her all kinds of nervous inside yeah. so i'm like okay i have time i'm just gonna type out some quick prompts and give them to you and you typed up like a whole word document off of it <laughs> and i'm like yeah, I, 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 I never thought that you were an introvert i've known you for a little while and i'm just like kim's always friendly she seems outgoing i don't i don't know yeah just, i am a huge homebody i have a heart for hospitality so come to my house hang yeah. out but I, I, I told Sheldon this morning too, like I didn't realize until, um, I got sober that I was such an introvert. Like I, I drank a lot of times because I had such bad social anxiety. Mm. Like I mm. did not feel like I could be myself, whoever that was until, <laughs> until I was a few beers in yeah. a few shots in a few glasses of wine. Like, okay, now I'm game on. Yeah. Like before that I was just so filled with anxiety and I still, you know, will struggle to get out, but you know, Bethany Hubler is my best friend. So <laughs> she's not, if she's going to get me out of the house, um, you're going to go do things. Yeah. We're going to go do things. So, <laughs> but that's also a misplacement of identity. You were in that moment thinking who you really were, was that person three, four drinks in mm -hmm. like, that's who I really am. Yes. yes. In fact, you're a whole different other person. Yes. Like that's, that's why I'm a lot less obnoxious than her. That girl. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was really fun, but it was obnoxious fun. So, right. yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I do, um, I do love to stay home, but the more I'm getting out to, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, share my spiritual gifts, um, and just, encourage people and love those that may not feel loved and um uh i have something to offer so yeah, i d i really didn't think that before so that's and that's the challenge with most humans like what do we really have to offer let's just stay home and said yeah but there's um, i mean i always feel like i'm able to bless somebody somehow no matter what i'm doing so mm -hmm. you got to typically get out of the house if your kids are gone and at school and your husband's busy in his office. So <laughs> I mean, yep. I, I do bless my dog with a little, you know, a lot of head pats <laughs> and of extra treats, but like, yeah, I'm finding it more of a blessing to me to be a blessing to others, which yeah. is natural. Yeah. You were going somewhere. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about, cause one commonality that you and I have is, is um, parents, going through a divorce and experiencing that. Mm -hmm. And the end of that story for both of us was very different, mm -hmm. but I'd love to just ask you a couple of questions of, about that. If you're okay sure. with that. Oh yeah. Um, so now you, was your brother, your only sibling? I forget. He was. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. And were you the oldest? Yes. Okay. So for me, I was, I was much younger when my parents split up. I was like six, mm -hmm. uh, six or seven. And uh, there was a lot that my parents would never have put on me 
on purpose, but that ended up being put on me by experiencing what I was experiencing at, mm-hmm. at you know, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tried to take on the peacekeeper role between my parents because my, my parents' marriage was not just a indifference towards each other and then they were done. Like it was an aggressive situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they did love each other. They did love us kids, but it, it just got, had gotten to the point of no return essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you know, in that, cause you said you were 11. Mm-hmm. So, so being the oldest and being that age, like what was that experience like for you? Um, was that a disorienting experience? Was, was, was there a change? Like, oh, I remember when mom and dad liked each other and then they didn't anymore. Mm-hmm. Like kind of what was that like for you in that season and in that stage? Yeah, it was um, complete and utter, utter shock. Uh, my dad describes it as like, you know, he's watched a lot of horror films, but he said, you know, that day that he told, he and my mom told my brother and I that they were separating, I let out the most guttural scream mm. that still, I think this day rings in his ears. Um, so I had no idea it was coming. I mm. don't, I don't remember them fighting. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, I know that that was like, a pivotal um, time in my life. And I think, um, you know, I was a fifth grade girl. Yeah. Like, neither one of you has wow. been a fifth grade girl that no. I know of. But no, no. I, I raised one. Yes. But fifth <laughs> she's grade, not grown yet. <laughs> fifth grade and sixth grade and, you know, yes. middle school in general, like being a girl and I'm sure a boy too, but I feel like being a girl is just hard. Your body's changing mm-hmm. your hormones, your mind, everything. So it, to me, that's like, it was one of the worst times possible that something mm. like that could happen. And yeah, it was um, a complete shock to my mom too. So yeah, I wanted to be that there for her. And like I said earlier, she had like some s- sort of nervous breakdown or something. And, you know, my dad left for another woman. So mm. it was, I'd had no compass mm. for where I was to go next and what I was to do for my mom and what I was to do for my brother and do, am I still supposed to love my dad or things that no 11 year old should have to think about. Yeah. 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 So, and, um, I think that was the same year the challenger exploded. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so huh. everything was exploding around me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, um, something that formed my whole, um, opinion at the time about relationships yeah. and you know just how disposable they were mm-hmm. and then a, a lot of my drinking too had to do with um obvious daddy issues uh, mm. just not not having my dad around while I was a teenager mm. and um starting to date and just finally receiving affection from a male and what does that look like and what's yeah. healthy and what isn't and um my grandma used to say that my dad fell in love with every woman that looked at him and I Mm. laughed with her about that but at the same time I can see a lot of that in me and um you know if a a guy was checking me out that's where I was getting my validation from Mm. and Mm. you know where it went from there uh, we'll see and with drugs and alcohol in those situations it does never go to a good place yeah so not a good recipe no no, not at all so you know I I love that little girl um I'm sad for her. I feel sorry for her. Um, but you know, it's so much grace in that because I, I had no, no way of knowing 
who God truly was. Mm. And, um, I, I see his protection all over my story and in the last three decades or whatever, um, just so many situations where I, my life could have ended or I I could have accidentally taken somebody else's life or Mm. caused some major trauma and that never happened. And thankfully I was delivered from it before then because yeah i can't imagine living with any type of guilt like that yeah so you're you're actively parenting like you're doing Mm. this for the next generation and you're doing you're doing a good job Uh i mean (laughs) you know as as long as we're getting more than 50 percent right i feel like we're doing well (laughs) so you're you're at bare minimum doing that so like you're doing well um how given that story and that history of how growing up was for you how do you parent from that? Like, are you, how open are you with the children about your story? And then does that, like this whole, I, like I did it, I did, I did it this way, but you're going to have to do things differently. Does that come up at all? It's like, well, mom, who are you to tell me what, what I can and can't do that kind of thing? You know, does that, does that come up at all? Or is that like, how, how do you find being the authority role for, another teenager and another teenager and another one after that. Like, how does that play out? Well, it's, um, different with each child. Um, and you know, my oldest, she really did not have any desire to do any of those similar things that I did. You know, um, her struggles were different than mine. Um, so thankfully I didn't have to um, parent and authoritative and in an authoritative, I'm the expert in this area kind of right. manner. So, um, with her, it, it wasn't really a struggle and thankfully it wasn't because I was still struggling through that at the time. Right. Um, but yeah, this whole blended family thing, um, I've made so many mistakes in this area that I'm kind of ill-equipped to offer advice on the how to's on that. Um, other than blend with someone who is completely selfless and humble and willing to screw up with you and move forward in love from there. Um, but I can't, I can't testify to navigating, um, through this with anything other than, um, let's pray about it and hoping that I can discern what the next right thing to do is. And, you know, with my 16 year old, he spends 50% of his time in my house and 50% at his dad's. So we have that challenge where, you know, yes, we can say this is what we do here and this is how we do it, but doesn't matter to him half the week. Right. Um, so that's a huge challenge, but, um, just, um, making sure that we're very, um, we're very, uh, straightforward and our expectations of, of him at the household and, um, knowing that, you know, this is our second time around at this phase and we're going to do better. And then with the younger two, yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty strict, but, (laughs) (laughs) and, and I think they're happy, but they're happy kids. I mean, they are happy kids. I've been around them and they're, they're just all they're happy kids. Yes, <laughs> oh, my are. in-laws would tell you that we're mean parents because we put our kids to bed at eight or eight thirty. <laughs> you know, that's just yes. awful. No parents should do that. Yeah. But you know, if my oldest doesn't get her sleep, everybody's going to know it. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that she's a teenager, she wants to go to bed at eight thirty. <laughs> it's it's come full circle. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it and that's probably a little bit of a misnomer too, because a good 
a good parent, it isn't about whether or not you did things perfectly. Right. Right. That's why I asked because it's like, it's not like I'm parenting well because I did everything perfectly. Now my kids have to perform perfectly. Mm -hmm. No, it's about how we handle our imperfections and what my story is and being real with my kids about that. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's very real in our home. And I was telling you before, like if some sort of conflict starts in our home, I try and resolve it in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. Like if they saw it start, they should see it end. If, and if I go off the handle or say something I didn't mean, I'm going to apologize to Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And as I'm, I'm the leader of this house. So like I mess up, then I need to fess up publicly (laughs) to the house. I apologize to the house, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's one of those things. And I could be a lot better at that, but we don't, as parents, we don't, parent from a position of power Mm. right you know or from a position of expertise Mm -hmm. i am you know just at a a, as much of a loss of how to raise a 14 year old as i was a (laughs) four-year-old you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's about each like you said each situation that comes up and going before the lord and saying uh what should we do or Mm -hmm. hanging out with jess and saying okay uh she's got this thing i don't know what should we do (laughs) and that that is how we're all doing it yeah, <laughs> yeah. like and it, it just because your family is blended or because you have a different history than mine or uh, nate has a different history than mine it's it doesn't change how it what it means to be good a good parent in your mm-hmm. kid's life yeah guiding you know I mean? versus controlling yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah. the controllers out there are gonna struggle bigger with their kids because yeah you shouldn't be trying to control them, just guiding them. And, yeah. um, like we, we are okay to correct and discipline, but it always needs to be in love and it always needs to be of, this is not because I'm trying to control you and tell you what to do. It's so you can choose. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have the freedom to decide on your own and I'm just guiding you from my perspective and hoping that you'll, um, be able to see like through your mom's story, how hard it is to make the right choice when, um, when you have secrets mm, and right. when you're hiding something, cause typically conflict with your kids, you know, it, especially at the older ages, it'll have to do with something that they're hiding or something that they're doing deceitful to get away with. Yeah. Like, just tell me at all. Like there's nothing that you're, you could do to, you know, make me love you any less. I'm only going to love you more. And, if you share it, you'll feel better about yourself. Yeah. You're not going to feel worse or better about you. It's yeah. it's a good thing. Everybody so. wins. Yes, yeah. exactly. I did have one, like my best piece of parenting advice, but it's actually to, to a newlyweds that don't have kids yet, but it's just um, to choose the side of the bed that's furthest <laughs> away from the door. Oh, So I don't know advice. how the age of your listeners, oh, yeah. but... I, I did this on accident and you know, for 19 <laughs> years it has worked out phenomenally because <laughs> I, I can just roll back over. They don't wake me up. Dad, yeah. dad gets woken. In the last year have switched sides of the bed after 17 years. I don't understand that at all. I don't either. No, yeah, neither I, did Jess. I don't understand <laughs> that at all. And I was like, we have to. I, I'm a side sleeper. Yes. And I was sleeping on my right shoulder for years. Mm-hmm. And I threw my shoulder out in softball or something stupid well didn't warm it up properly and i felt it go 
and it hasn't been a hundred percent ever since. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with it, like slipped out, like my mm-hmm. shoulder would slip out. And I'm like, it's because I'm totally relaxed. I'm not trying to keep it yeah. in place or whatever. And I'm like, I'm convinced that a, I think our bed is a little hard <laughs> <laughs> and B like sleeping on that shoulder. I'm like, I, I can't, I got to sleep on the other one. So we completely flipped sides. The, and it's, it's been, I mean, I understand, it's weird. I understand weird. that from the physiological standpoint, like right. there's a, there's a good reason for it. We resisted for months oh. and finally the one I, day she came in and she's like, fine, I give in. And so we switch sides and it's, I don't know, it's working, I guess yeah. you'd have to ask her. <laughs> I, when Kayla and I first got married very first night before anything else happened, I said, Hey, pick a side of the bed. <laughs> Because whatever we pick tonight is what it's going to be forever. Like, pick a side of the bed. This is what we're doing. So is she closest to the door or are uh, you? Well, we varied where our room is. Right where now, the door she's is. closest to the door. However, I am the one that's easier to wake up. Kayla is a very heavy sleeper. And so... So if, you think. If Strong... <laughs> I believe <laughs> so she you've might. Been led yeah, so, so if Strong comes down or when he comes down, they come and talk to me. Um, now, it used to be that in our old room, in our old orientation, when Strong was a little bit, well, but he wouldn't, no, she's always been near, near the bed, or near the door, but for whatever reason, I'm I'm the guy. I'm uh, the I'm just the guy, for whatever reason in this well, case. Well, I think in most cases, my advice will work. So. Which side are you on? Uh, I'm away from the door. But which side? Like, the, like if you're on the if bed, you're I'm, facing, on, I'm on the right side of the bed. See, there goes my theory then. Because mm-hmm. if... It, I'm on the left. And so I thought maybe it's if you're on the left because my mom was the left side sleeper and we always went to my mom instead of yeah. my dad. Well, yeah, Jeremiah's Regardless on the left and they yeah. go to him. So, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe that, maybe it yeah. is. Maybe it's the, the only left thing side. that hasn't switched yeah. yet is the gun. So <laughs> I got to, because that's mounted to the wall. <laughs> might want to switch her. Yeah, that might be a problem. No, you're, you guys should be way more scared of Jess with the gun <laughs> than me with the gun. I'm going to be real careful about where everything's going. <laughs> She's got 12 rounds to find that center of mass. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck to whoever's on the other side of that door. That's all I have to say. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, I always funny. told her, I'm like, if things go really sideways and she pulls a gun on me, I'll just be like, I'll move closer. I just need you to like kill me now. <laughs> I don't want this whole like we're finding the center of the target. Because it's like, now I'm missing an arm. Now I'm missing a leg. Just do it already. <laughs> I'm oh like, whoever word. it is you start in with, with that gun is, Please yeah. Please tell me you have in-home camera system. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Because we want to see yeah, that. Yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah, the first home invasion that Just ever deals with is going to be, it's going to make the papers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do people still read newspapers? No, well, okay. you know, it's a yeah. figure. Okay. It's a figure gotcha. speech. Yeah. I, well, yeah, <laughs> that was the most random little thing. And I am very ha- pleased that it happened just now. That, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she does get dialed in eventually, but it's it's not. Accuracy is not at the top of the charts when she starts firing. <laughs> now we're going to have to have Jess back on just to defend herself in that one. I don't think she can. <laughs> nah, that's fair. That's I've, fair. I've been to the range several times yeah. with her, <laughs> but. She does enjoy shooting, so. My I'm wife's sorry, a, Jess. I know nothing about yeah. guns. My wife's I'm, a better shot than you. I am. Oh, okay. You'll, so, you'll own it. Yeah. She's more precise. This is what it is. I'll I find it. that I'll hard come. to believe. But I do believe it because 
Yeah. You wouldn't admit to something like no, that I if wouldn't. it wasn't true. I wouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, I that's completely totally derailed it. I appreciate that. But though. yes, that's a good piece of parenting advice. Yeah. Pick but apparently, spots. let's modify a little bit. Apparently, it's don't sleep on the left side of the bed. Correct. Because it seems like in the collective experience yes. that we don't vastly have, but in this room, <laughs> whoever's on the left side of the bed is the one that's going to get bothered by the kids. And our giant research pool of two yeah okay yeah I always three if you include my mother okay i always yes. went to my mom so that's fa- yeah that's i don't even know i mean i think side. mom is generally <laughs> going to be the one but again in my case that has not been my experience yeah our kids all come to just because she cleans up barf yeah in I, our house i i've tried and <laughs> I, I did like i'm like i'm gonna hero man up i can do this and like the first couple times i'm like trying and i'm like like stand by me I'm like, maybe <laughs> blueberry <laughs> pie yeah. i was just like uh jess if you don't want to clean up two piles you're maybe just gonna have to clean up this one i was a sympathetic puker until i got married when yeah. kayla threw up a few times when she was pregnant i'm like i'm good i'm with you like we're good yeah uh the, the really rough diapers are the ones that get and i mean like oh. the really rough ones i'm oh, like i, I can't I don't mind diapers I, I can do diapers yeah but there are some yeah. there's mm-hmm. there are diapers and then there are diapers but anyway that's neither <laughs> here nor there <laughs> yeah um <laughs> what a random rabbit trail <laughs> it was fun though if you stuck with us this long i hope we can find back on track yeah this is what we do kim this is just how it is oh i've listened this is this is why i can't remember who i told what to because i'll say things like this on the podcast and people will come up to me and be like oh i didn't know jess was such a bad shot did, did I'm i like, tell you that i don't remember saying anything uh-huh. podcasting is a dangerous medium for sheldon podcast blackout <laughs> but I it's have, okay i have no f- filter on this medium and i should have one no you shouldn't no. um no <laughs> not at all that makes this good. Yeah. I agree. Oh, man. Did you have anything else, Nate? No, no. Oh. I that was my. That was just my, my one thing. And again, now we're guns and sides of the bed. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. So one, one thing about our church family, and that's probably where I'm going to go next. Like, I, I have found our church family to be an incredible place for me to really find out who I am. Mm. And I felt the freedom to do that on a number of levels. Uh, and freedom is not just, um, Oh, you're free to do whatever. And we don't really care what you do. I have had more loving correction in this gathering than any gathering that I've been a part of, um, coaching, like people giving me tips, pointers, whatever. Um, than anywhere that I've been. And I think even at work, people like to see what I do and things like that, but trying to find um, really good relationships, sometimes where people feel like they can be honest, they can be real with you, is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I know that hasn't been everybody's experience at our church. I'm not speaking for it's everybody. It's not a perfect place. It's not a perfect place. I get that. Like people come and they go and they go for different reasons. and. I want to be sensitive to that. Yeah. But for me, that's, that's one of the things that I've found. Um, your, your story being as varied as it's been, how, how did the church family impact you? Like what, mm. what would you say are ways that people at church have impacted you? 
y'all changed my life. <laughs> so that includes you too. So, um, just, we've been coming to Worcester church of the Nazarene for 10 years. So, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'll be four years sober. So all those six years where I hated myself, um, people at the church loved me back to life. Mm. So, um, collectively and individually, you truly did, um, each play a role in, um, convicting me, mm. but all in love. So, um, I'm sure I'm judged and talked about negatively in some circles, but what they have to say about me is none of my business. Mm -hmm. So, um, my church family is full of loving cheer cheerleaders who hold me accountable. Uh, I've had a few instances yep. where I was offended or hurt, but being offended in life is inevitable <laughs> and living offended is a choice. Yep. So I don't Amen. choose to stay there. Yes. Um, and so many times what I've been offended about has led to conviction for change and transformation. Mm. And I couldn't be more grateful for the gift of Worcester Church of the Nazarene. Hmm. Um, there were years I hated myself, but still felt loved by everyone in the building. And I'm grateful I'm able to return that love now, yeah. um, being healthy and having the common goal of loving one another, um, loving God and living transformed. Yeah. And, um, not to inflate or make an idol out of a family, but if I had another child, which I am not, <laughs> I, I would name him Ward because, Aww. um, just of the impact your family's <laughs> had on mine, Nate, um, the words are not the church. I don't think that, but the love of your father and mother and your siblings and their spouses mm -hmm. and even all dozen or so of the word grandchildren <laughs> um, has had an extremely profound impact on each of the friends, not just mm -hmm. me, not just my husband, um, but my kids too. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to thank all of you for your leadership and love and friendship. And I know you all need pointed back to Jesus hmm. too. So, and, um, maybe this short audio snippet will encourage or remind each of you how needed you are huh. in the church. And, um, because you've all seen the goodness of God, my family has seen and received it as well. And absolutely the same goes for you, Sheldon and your family. I mean, we're still getting to know each other, but what an awesome family right. you have. And listening to Elena and Jess's individual podcasts with you too, um, bless me in so many ways. So you're doing it right, brother. Thank you. Yes. I agree. It's, no, it's, I, I like to call me and Jess, we call ourselves honorary wards as well. Uh, like yes. We, we are grafted in. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I completely so. agree. No, I, and I, I just, once again, hearing that from you, it is to me just a testimony of what God's done because, and my dad just talked about it this morning in, in, in his sermon, but as good as you may think our family is now, we know what it was like at its worst. And right. the, the incredible things that God has done in our family and the restoration that just has, I mean, makes no sense. It makes no sense. I mean, I, when I was a kid I, and that was one of the things I wanted to mention, like when my parents split up, yes, I, it was terrifying and it, I agreed. I was relieved. Like I was relieved. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to deal with this anymore. We were all going to go to our separate corners mm -hmm. and it was fine. Mm -hmm. And it took me basically almost their entire time separated to get past that to the point where I'm like, no, I actually want my family together. Mm -hmm. um, so for a, for a six year old kid to be relieved that his parents aren't together anymore, 
gives you at least some insight into what it was. So again, mm-hmm. what God has done in our family and, and I can attest to it, you know, I mean, I, I'm in it, you know, as, as much as I know the church and, and you guys love my family, like I'm in it. I see it. I've seen the bumps, the bruises, the warts, the good, the bad, the ugly, the growth. And it is exactly what it seems to be on the surface. And I cannot, other than God, I cannot explain why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously my parents have been willing to do the work and we've been willing to process together, but the grace that he's poured out on us and the, the, the stubbornness that he's put in us to make our family work and, and, and see our family come back to a place of wholeness again. It's just him. And, and I can't, I can't explain it any other way. I can't give any other insight into it other than that. And that's probably a huge part in, in my recovery and my growth is the fact that you can't explain it away as, uh, Oh, we went to this counselor and this person. No, it's, it's all God. And, um, you know, it's sad that a lot of us choose to surrender our sin to the Lord, um, as a last resort, (laughs) Mm. but it, I resorted to it. And it's the same victory though. There's, there's no lesser victory in that. And yeah, it it is the same victory. And Mm -hmm. so it, it is the same celebration. There's, there's nothing that I would look at as somebody who either has overcome addiction or overcome something. And someone who's about to Mm -hmm. or someone who did it, you know, at the beginning of all of it, you know, and it's, it's the same victory and it's the same surrender. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I reject that entirely. (laughs) It is the same victory. 100%. Right. I agree with that. (laughs) And, and I think, you know, just thinking about our church family, I think how many churches are hesitant to challenge people Yeah, or like, we're just seeker friendly and we just want everybody to feel happy all the time. And, you know, and there is, you know, encouragement that you find and, and people, you know, like you said, being loving, being open, being kind. But I think the challenge is why I stay and why I want to be there because I know the longer I spend time in that place with those people, I will become who God wants me to become because I'm not going to be allowed to stay the same. (laughs) If I stay the same, it's going to be very unhealthy for everyone. I I plan on changing Mm -hmm. being in, in that place. And like, I, I can see faces like in my mind's eye, I'm scrolling through faces of people that have not just told me that they believe in me or that they care about me or that they love me, but they've said, this is good, but there's a better. Yeah. And like, you're doing this well, put a little more time into it. You know, you're doing this well, but what if, you know, and just challenging me, just Mm -hmm. continuing to say, we believe in you, but we know you're called to more and you can do, you can do more here. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I was, I, the last sermon that I preached, um, I, had tons of people come up to me and be able to tell me like, Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I had one person tell me something they got out of it Yeah, that they applied to it. Yeah. And that blew me away more than anything. Yeah. But what I'm going to value and what I'm going to take forward is what your dad and one of the other pastors did is they, they all told me immediately that they were proud of me. And then after a little while they were, you know, at a different setting, they were like, so, here's a few things that you can work on for the next yep. one. And I'm like, yes, that's, <laughs> that's what I want. Yep. And that's why I have these people in my life. Yep. 
I love it. Yep. I love it. I love the challenge. Yep. And you can't you can't accept and receive those things in joy unless you're walking in freedom and yeah, you're walking right. in truth. Otherwise, it's just um, like I said, the victim yep. role yeah. where you're offending me and they don't like me and hmm. I don't like yeah. them and let's <laughs> leave. And I mean, that's why it is chur- the church is a people because yeah. we we love each other we're a family and like you said in the question can tell me about what you think of the church family and how it's affected you because it it is a family and family doesn't leave (laughs) and um yeah there are other job opportunities or or um ways to serve outside of the church but um it's essential yeah right um a lot of people believe you can um you know, be a Christian without going to church, and maybe that's true. But can you have a marriage without going home? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's so true. That's true. I, uh, it's it's uh, it's yeah. important, and we value it. And our, um, you know, serving on the worship team, Jeremiah, yeah. like that's where that's his happy place. Yeah, and you know, watching my kids find joy at church too is mm. really cool because I didn't have that obviously as a kid, and yeah. I'll, Taco Bell after that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's Just right. Taco Bell. Although that's a good tradition, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Taco <laughs> Bell after church. So our after church tradition would be to go home and mom would make hot dogs, macaroni and cheese, and peas because peas <laughs> were the vegetable, <laughs> right? And they're all like super quick. You can have dinner on the table. You have lunch right on the now. table in like fifteen minutes. Yeah for like seven people and it's no problem yeah but that just became a standard in, in our house <laughs> but it's not anymore now that i got married yes yeah. oh, that's good i like that standing sunday meal i think that's a good <laughs> idea you <laughs> gave peas a chance i oh, i man. still like peas for nice. that very reason nice i loved that reference <laughs> that was very peas a chance. that was very I good it. i approve of that yes, okay, yes. Oh, i'm very funny you know it is funny though that you mentioned that because I was thinking about what you were talking about, just serving in general. And obviously we're getting a little long here. We can wrap up Uh, whenever we can do whatever. I don't care. We're not Joe Rogan. We don't get to just talk forever because people don't listen to us that long. That's okay. But um, my first like distinctive memory of you was in the basement of the church prepping to go out on the block back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that particular moment stood out to me. I know I had met you before that. Um, there had been other gatherings, other things, but there was just, for some reason, that particular day, I remember, like, I can remember, you know, sneakers, the khaki shorts, the t-shirt, like, I remember vividly mm-hmm. you in that moment. And I don't know if it was just, I, I remember just being impressed that you were there serving. You guys hadn't been there very long, but you were there mm-hmm. and you were, and even now, hindsight now, knowing all the things you were dealing with. But there was that desire in you, like, I still want to be a part of this and a part of what's happening here. And uh, and again, I just see that as a testimony of the Holy Spirit. Like, no, 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 no body is going to draw you in to something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's just this some he does something and he's there and you desire that. And 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 I don't know, there's there's just it was just funny just hearing you talk and that that moment just really vividly came to my mind that the very first memory I ever have of you was serving that's cool in a very unglamorous yeah. situation yeah and yeah. It, and it, we hear all our life it's better to give than to receive even yeah. before I was saved but there's no denying the the feeling you have when you are doing something to help another yeah no matter what the context is yeah and 
and even through all that addiction, it is just the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that, that I was able to still have those desires because I had so many selfish desires. It was mm. like, no, I still want to do good for my community, my family, and my church. And thankful for that because that did keep my head above water because yeah, I was yeah. thinking fast. Well, for what it's worth, I am grateful that the friends are our friends. Yeah. There we go. It is it is <laughs> a wonderful thing, and I do love it. Yes. And uh, I married him for his last name. That's right. That's cool. right. <laughs> yeah. He seemed friendly enough. Yes. He does. He does. He is. But yeah, it is it is such a joy um, to be a part of the family with you guys. I mean, it really is. And we love it. I love getting to see you down there on Sunday mornings, whether it's you know at the beginning of service when Jeremiah's you know sitting up with us, and it's just you hanging out down there, or maybe you're with your mom, or maybe mm-hmm. you know some of your kids are there, or or, you know, Mason's brought all these friends that are hanging out yeah, with all you guys. Yeah, my favorite. Um, or seeing you guys at the end of service and Jeremiah with his arm around you and you guys just sitting there, you know, taking in the close of the sermon. I'm just like, what a testimony to what God has done. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do. I just have this feeling of like where I just, I'm like, look, look at what God is doing. And what done. he's like, doing. And what he's doing. And, yeah. um, and it's not a pedestal. I don't have you guys on a pedestal. But, no. man, look what God is doing. Yeah. And, uh and it's just such a blessing to to just witness, let alone get to be a part of. Yeah. But it's been such a blessing to witness for yeah. sure. It's awesome. And to be part of other similar stories. Yeah. Of, uh, I mean, small groups, if you're not in one, join one. <laughs> and I know you have non-NAS listeners, but all churches have them, I would hope. Um, <laughs> but just uh, the the girls that, you know, were with me and wrote me letters and said, get out of this hole. Like Mm. you're keeping yourself prisoner and we love you too much for you to stay there. And and it wasn't shaming. It was just like, God wants so much for you and you're not going to be able to receive those gifts if you aren't healthy. So, but I, I love being, I love being there and part of anything connected to it. And now I'm going to get a lot of service requests and I'll say <laughs> yes to all of them. And that's no, okay. You don't. Yes, no. no is just as holy yes. as yes. No. Sometimes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> but if this airs soon, I will be selling candy after second service. <laughs> Here we go. In the foyer. Um, I, we're going to, we're probably soon going to wrap, but is there anything that you wanted to say before you wrap up? Like, is there any part of that that you're like, Oh, I you can say no. You can say anything. You'd no like. is acceptable. What does your, time clock tell me to say it's just running <laughs> you can say whatever you like <laughs> yeah okay well i'll 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 close with this one just because you know you had asked me um if i could say anything to my immediate family what would you say mm. and i don't think we all get those opportunities so yeah. right. i better seize the moment no Absolutely. this is good and hopefully this isn't sacrilegious but there's a need to breathe song called who am i uh-huh. and the front man bear reinhardt bear reinhardt wrote this praise and worship song to the lord Um, but I can't help but think of how my family loves me despite my flaws and my shortcomings. And I'm just going to read the pre-chorus because I have it here. And he says, while I'm on this road, you take my hand. Somehow you really love who I really am. I push you away. Still, you won't let go. You grow your roses on my barren soul. And, you know, as you've heard the theme of the night, it's always been a struggle for me to receive receive love and in times give it and believe that I'm worthy of love. And I still live in Strugglesville from time to time, but I appreciate this opportunity to tell my family, thank you for showing me grace every single day. 
um, I have the best mom, the best husband, and the four best children ever. And um, I just hope they know how much I love each of them. Um, but even more, I hope they know how big God smiles back at them when they refocus their eyes on him. <laughs> and all of him wants all of each of you for all the rest of their days. <laughs> That's awesome. I, the reason I wanted to give you that opportunity is there's sometimes when I'm away on a work trip for like two weeks or something or a week. And if my daughter misses me, she says, I fire up the podcast and I listen to you. <laughs> and, and my wife has said, said the same thing. And, um, I just, I think it's a good opportunity. This, it's not like our podcast is that important that, you know, tons and thousands of people listen to us. But it does record some very specific things yeah. in a very specific moment. Absolutely. And it's something that you can refer back to. So, And we're not promised tomorrow. No, so. no we're not. No. Absolutely not. So I'm proud of this. I yes. like this a lot. Me too. Me too. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> well done. <laughs> you made it through. And see, we weren't mean. No. Not at all. Everyone's no. always afraid of us when we really? ask them to come on here. I don't know why. Yeah. There's a, one or two yeah. that have stiff-armed us for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll I get wasn't em. scared. I was excited. Good. So. I knew you wouldn't be scared. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> well, guys, as always, uh, thanks for listening with us. Thanks for joining us on this weird journey that we're always on in the podcast. And uh, we'll hear from you again. If you want to reach out to us, Sheldon, how can they reach out to us? At the Things We Say podcast on Facebook. Yeah, that's what it is. The Things We Say podcast <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, I threw him a curve. <laughs> yes, sorry, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> the email is ttwspodcast at mail dot com. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is ttwspodcast. So, what's your home address with that gun on the? <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. Come on over in the middle of the night, and Jess will shoot you dead. <laughs> Pow! <laughs> and on that note, we're out. Thanks, you guys. See you later. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.